Well, good morning. Hey, we made it. We made it to 2021. Isn't that awesome? Woo! You know, 2020 was really the year that we all stayed home. You know, that we all kind of locked down. But I believe with all my heart, 2021 is the year we rise. Is the year that God shows up and does extraordinary things. And I am so excited for this year. Why? Because I've already seen God beginning to lay the groundwork. I've seen God moving already. You know, together in our pursuit of Jesus, I believe we will rise. We will rise. And through this series that we're starting to get today, Together We Rise, we're going to explore life. We're going to explore life transformation, life transforming community, our, our story of hope. You have a story of hope, and we're going to talk about that in a couple of weeks, and also God's calling for our lives. And I really hope, and I ask, I humbly ask that you join us every week as we kick off this new year, as we explore this pursuit of Jesus individually and collectively, that together we will rise and God will do extraordinary things. Because I believe, if we're all honest with ourselves, we're all pursuing something. Every one of us, at some level of our journey, we're pursuing something. And to be honest, in the American culture that we live in, many of us are in the pursuit of happiness. But can we just be real with that for a moment? I mean, what really is happiness? And if you achieve what you think brings happiness... Are you really going to be happy? You see, I really equate happiness with a roller coaster ride. It's the ups and downs that we go on those roller coasters at Kennywood. You know, there's times when you're going up the hill and you hit the, you hit the top and, and it's excitement. But then at moments the ride's over. And then you wonder, what was that 30 seconds all about? I mean, it's over like this. And if I think it's, I think it's safe to be honest with each other, that many of our pursuit of happiness only leaves us with disappointment. Because what we hoped would bring us happiness usually just kind of leaves us empty and looking for something else. So let's just be real as we kick off this new year. What do you pursue? What are you pursuing in your life? You know, to pursue something is to give your everything, to be all in. You know, I watch sports and I see athletes who train hours a day in their pursuit to be the best athlete that they possibly can be. But I can guarantee you athletes who choose to be half in, you know, maybe they spend their hours a day at work are training, and then they go home at night, and they pull out the chips and dip and the Pepsi. They kick back, and they just eat out. They veg out. Their half in is going to get them a whole lot of nothing. It really is. And that's what tends to be. When we pursue something, we are all in. And half in just gets you a full amount of nothing. It just leaves you empty-handed. It leaves you disappointed. And the same is true in our relationship with Jesus. You know, the same is true in our journey with Jesus. Many times, let's just be real for a moment. Many times we tend to be half in in our relationship with Jesus. Yet, 
We want the fullness of life that he offers if we're actually being all in with him. And we are left disappointed oftentimes with Jesus wondering why we feel we're missing out. But if we're honest with ourselves, we've only been half in. If that. We really haven't been pursuing him like an athlete. We really haven't been pursuing him with everything that we have, with all of us. And I'm here before you today to tell you to experience the fullness of life that Jesus offers. He wants all of you. Your heart, your mind, and your soul. He wants all of you. You see, to pursue Jesus is to give him all your presence. To give him every fabric of your being. My wife and the company that she works for in her training, they gave her a phrase, be here now. And I love that phrase. And I've kind of taken on that phrase the past couple of years since she's worked for this company. And what that means is that you are most productive in your life when you are here in the moment. When you're here physically, emotionally, and mentally in this moment where you're supposed to be. So for example, when I'm at work, I need to be here in the moment. Physically, emotionally, and mentally. That means I shouldn't be checking my fantasy scores and see which players I need to trade during my work hours. I shouldn't be hanging out with my Facebook friends and catching up on life in the other parts of the regions. I need to be here now. In this moment in this time, to be most productive. And when I'm at home, I need to be in the moment. I shouldn't walk into my house and with my mind focused on tasks that still need to be done at work and maybe pull out my laptop and get more work done and catch up on more emails and all I did was change the location and the address of my office to my home while my kids are growing up in the next room. I need to be here now. I shouldn't be focused on other things when I'm at home and miss another opportunity to have a cup of coffee with my wife. I need to be in this moment. I need to be here now. If I want to be the most productive husband and father that God's called me to be, I need to be in the moment when I'm at home. And the same is true in our relationship with Jesus. In this moment right now, I bet it's safe to assume some of you already drifted off. And you're thinking about the Steelers game. You're thinking about tasks that you need to get done around the house or whatever it might be. And we tend to be half in. We're just half in. When Jesus wants all of us, our heart, our mind, and soul. And I think in our relationship with Jesus, we need to be here now. When we're at church worshiping, we should be focused and engaging him. When we're in our growth groups, we should be engaging the study, not just sitting back in the corner, but participating in the study. When I'm serving Jesus, I should give him my all in my personal time when I'm reading the Bible and, and get, engaging Jesus in that way. I should give him my best because if I want to experience all of him, he wants all of me. And so often I'm missing out on his best for me because I've been half in. I've been half in. I've been allowing other things to take over my focus and what I've been supposed to be doing. You know, back in the New Testament, there was a time when Jesus was being questioned by the religious leaders. They were trying to stump him. They were trying to get him to mess up. And they asked him, okay, Jesus, you think you're all that? Tell me. What's the greatest commandment, Jesus? Go ahead and pick one. 
You see, in their heart and their mind, they're trying to question Jesus based upon the Ten Commandments and saying, go ahead and pick which one is the most important, and then we'll debate you and argue why the other ones are just as important. But Jesus, he's a, he's a stud, man. And he wasn't going to let them stump him. And he answered them here in Matthew 22, beginning in verse 37. Jesus responded. He said, to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The greatest commandment that he told them was to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. To love God with all of you. To be fully in with all your presence in your pursuit of Jesus. That's what he was saying. You see, in his relationship with us, Jesus wants all of us emotionally and mentally. He wants all of us engaged with him. And I think it may be safe to assume that while we're talking about this pursuit of Jesus, that some of you sitting here or some of you joining us in your own living room, you may be saying right now, Bill, I haven't really been pursuing him at all. I really haven't. I've been kind of coming to church, doing my thing, then going on with my life and going out and doing what I really want to enjoy. But if that's you, can I just ask you a question? I mean, just, just focus right now with me. What is holding you back? What is holding you back from fully engaging Jesus? From truly, fully pursuing him. You see what Jesus' reply in what was the greatest commandment, how he started with it? He started with love God. That was the beginning, to love God. And so I think it's fair for us to ask each other and ask ourselves, what do you really love in life? Is it your job, your hobbies, maybe yourself a little bit too much? What do you love in this world? You know, generally speaking, what we are passionate about transforms into what we love. But here's the problem with that. Passions fade. Passion and love is not the same thing. Yet what we are passionate about tends to hold our hearts. Being passionate about something is not a bad thing. It really is not. God gave you your passions. For example, if you know me, you know I'm passionate about sports. I love watching football. I love watching good competitive matchups. And there was a time in my life when that was my focus, when that was my everything, when as soon as the church, last note was sung at church, I couldn't get out of church quick enough because I could not miss the kickoff of a game. I was so passionate about it, it consumed me emotionally, mentally, and physically. And what tends to happen is it kind of pulls us away from where we really need to be. You know what the crazy thing about passions? They fade. Passion is kind of like kindling to a fire. It's a great fire starter, but it's not going to sustain the fire. And too often, we try to move forward in our life, emotionally and mentally, trying to sustain our being based upon passions. When passion just kind of burns out pretty quickly. And then it goes away. You know, so often in, in relationships, and in marriage relationships, I hear couples saying how they fall, fell out of love with each other. That's not true at all. The passion faded. And you misinterpreted passion for love. 
Passion's a part of love, but it's not love. And that's what we do with Jesus, too. Well, Jesus has really passion in there, you know, meaning I really love the worship. I mean, it was really, the bass was kicking today. But yet when we walk out of the worship experience and we go back into our life, we wonder why I feel so empty. Why? Because we equated passion with love. And it's, it's not. Passion just one part of love. There's also commitment and intimacy with Jesus that we need to pull into this too in our pursuit of him. And so where are you at? Have you kind of allowed your passions in life to become your love, to consume you emotionally, consume all of you? Because all it does is it disappoints. It leaves you empty. But Jesus... He never fails. Jesus never fails. He never disappoints. His, gra- his grace, his truth, his life is always there. So my friends, do not allow passions for other things to confuse your love for Jesus. That's all it will do. And to experience the fullness of life that Jesus offers, we need to be fully present with him. You know where you start with that? It starts with being present in your heart. That's where it starts. It starts with being present in your heart. You know, the Ten Commandments ultimately were broken down into two categories. To love God and love others. That was the heart of the Ten Commandments. Love God. Have no other gods before you. To worship no other gods but the one God of all creation. To not misuse God's name in vain. To remember the Sabbath by keeping it holy. And then to love others. Honor your mother and your father. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not gossip. Do not covet. And those are the categories of the Ten Commandments. Love God and love others. And you see, my friends, love ultimately is being present with your heart. Is being present with your passions. That's the foundation of love. It's your emotions. And I'm here to tell you right now, Jesus wants your emotional focus. It's not just about being physically present one hour a week in a church building. It's about being emotionally focused on the creator of everything he is. The God who came into this world to die for you. He wants to be emotionally connected with you. And for you to be emotionally connected with him. You know, the first of the Ten Commandments was this. In Exodus 20, verse 3, you shall have no other gods before me. You know, ultimately, this is about our relationship with the God of all creation. That's what God was highlighting when he gave this to Moses so, so long ago on Mount Sinai. He was highlighting his desire to have an emotional connection, to have a relationship with his creation. That's what he began. You will have no other gods before me. This is like a marriage. It really is like a marriage relationship. Emotionally speaking, there should be nobody else that has your emotional focus, whether it's physically or electronically, my friends. There should be nothing else that has your emotional focus other than your spouse because it will destroy 
your relationship. It will destroy it. And the same is true with our relationship with Jesus. You will never experience the fullness of life that Jesus offers if there is another God who has your emotional focus. You just won't. You will miss out on the fullness that he has to offer. You will be half in hoping he gives you all of himself. And you're going to miss out. And so what are there other gods that we tend to have that pull the heartstrings of ourselves, that take away our emotional focus? Well, let's just be honest with ourselves. It could be money. The pursuit of money. Jesus was very specific about this. You can't serve God in money. You can't be all what God wants and try to serve yourself with money. You're going you're to miss out. It's going to mess your heart, emotional focus. Maybe it's your professional ambitions. Maybe you're so focused professionally advancing that that's become your emotional focus and it's become another God in your life. Maybe it's your hobbies. You know, for me, for a long time, it was sports. You know, not missing it, being at everything I could possibly be at. Or as a parent, you know what another struggle is? It's our kids' extracurricular activities. I mean, I love my boys. I love their passions. I love their activities. And I want what's best for them in their activities. But there comes a line that we have to be careful we don't cross. That becomes our emotional focus that before you know it, it's all about this. And then we miss out on Jesus. And all these other things tend to be our gods. The gods that have the emotional focus of our heart. And then we are left wondering and disappointed, God, where, where were you? Why am I not experiencing you when all the time he has been there, but emotionally and mentally we pulled out? We pulled out. We need, my friends, we need to be present emotionally with all our heart to experience all of him. He wants all you, your heart, your mind, and your soul because he knows then in that full relationship when, you have all, when he has all your presence, you will experience all of his presence and the glory that he has to provide. It starts with being present in our hearts. And then from there, we need to be present in our mind. You know, the fourth commandment that, that, that is given in the Ten Commandments is this, in verse 8 of Exodus 20, to remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Now, let's just pause here for a moment because I know there's a lot of confusion today on this very um, commandment. You know, there's a lot of confusion between the Old Testament era and the New Testament era and what this commandment is all about. You see, in the Old Testament, God gave the Ten Commandments. And part of that was the Sabbath, which was an opportunity one day a week to pause from your busyness, to pause from your work, to focus on the presence of God. And then in the New Testament, Jesus came. And he gave us a new covenant. Jesus said that he is the fulfillment of the law. And Jesus also said that the Sabbath, that we were not created for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was created for us. And he also said that he is now our place of rest. You put that all together, what that means is Jesus is our Sabbath. It's not a day, it's a person. 
And in the New Testament era, we now find our rest and the ability to be in the full presence of God through his son, Jesus. And so what that means, the Sabbath for you, is are you regularly hanging out with Jesus? Are you regularly investing in the presence of, the, of God in his son, Jesus Christ? Through his word, through prayer, through just listening to him. That's what meditation is. Meditation is just a fancy word saying, I am just processing and listening to God and his word. That's what that means. So are you listening to him? Are you engaging in his presence? Are you finding rest in him, in his presence? You see, we are no longer under the law. Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. He is our Sabbath. He is our place of rest. And he wants us to engage him emotionally with all of our heart and mentally with all of our mind. And for many of us, let's just be real. For many of us, our mind needs a rest. We live in a new era, the digital era. And the digital era has caused our minds to never stop going. And that's the problem with the digital era. That's the battleground, is our minds never stop. We're always needing to engage and connect digitally. And what that, the problem with that is that we, we, our tasks never seem to be completed. There's always another thing to do because we're so connected. The social media drama just always lures us in or we're always engaged with problems around the world. And where does it end? And, and it just causes our mind just to never stop, never stop, never stop. And we have trouble finding rest mentally and emotionally. And so often, our minds are just so overwhelmed with all the stuff of the world that we fail to give our mind rest. We fail to give our mind over to Jesus with full attention to him. And I think to pursue him, we need to hit the pause button in our minds. We need to give our minds the ability to rest, to give, our, to give Jesus our full focus mentally and to engage him more. Well, how do we do that here at Impact? Some great opportunities. You know, we have the worship services, which is an opportunity just to kind of let your mind go and be connected to God. We have growth groups, which are opportunities for you to be in small group families, to grow in your relationship with God, to study his word, to grow in that. But we also have digital opportunities with the YouVersion Bible app and the Right Now Media. And, and so we provide all these opportunities to help you engage your pursuit of Jesus, to experience him more, to place your mind into his, into his camp. To full, your full attention to him. And if you want to learn more of how you can get some of those, those great uh, opportunities to engage Jesus digitally, um, just write on your Connect card, um, Digital Pursuit. And we would love to get you, if, you, if you're not familiar with the Version Bible app or Right Now Media, we would love to get you, or growth groups, more information on growth groups, to help you in that pursuit of Jesus. But you see, when you pursue Jesus... He will fully present himself to you. He will. It has a positive impact and effect on all of your relationships in all the areas of your life. You see, being fully present with Jesus impacts how you treat others. It really does. 
See, Jesus said this, standing in front of the religious leaders, he proclaimed then the second greatest commandment, which was this, Matthew 22, verse 39, to love your neighbor as yourself. You see, my friends, God created us as relational beings. There's no way getting around that fact. Your relationship with Jesus impacts your relationship with other people. It does. It truly does. When you have a negative relationship with Jesus, you're, gonna have, you're not going to be able to handle yourself well in other relationships. When you have a growing and better, better, better relationship with Jesus, it helps you be able to deal in a healthy way relationships around you. And so think about it. The words of Jesus that he used here, to love others, get it, as yourself. Please know when he says love your neighbor, neighbor means all the people that we come into contact with. And what Jesus means here is to treat other people the way that you would want to be treated. To do good to others. You see, the small things that you do for other people makes a huge difference. You married couples, you know what I'm talking about. The small things you do for your spouse makes a huge difference at revealing your love for them. And the same is true when you're out and about in life. What you do for other people matters. It matters. How you treat other people, whether they annoy you or not, matters. Actions reveal the true commitment of your heart. What's inside of you eventually comes out in what you say and what you do. Ultimately, what God calls us to do, what Jesus calls us to do, is to imitate him in how we treat other people, in his love, in his humility, and in his sacrifice. The Apostle Paul put it this way in Philippians chapter 2. He wrote, make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one spirit of mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, <clears throat> value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. See, what he's saying is in your mindset, also known as your attitude, in your attitude, we are to imitate, we are to represent Jesus. And so this raises a valid question. What attitude do you have to other people? What attitude do you carry with you when you're out and about at work and in just life in general? What attitude do you have towards others? Not just the people who like you. Not just the people you enjoy hanging out with. That's the easy part. What attitude do you have with the people who annoy you? What attitude do you have with people who disagree with you? All people. We have the same attitude as Jesus. And so what attitude do you carry? Social media is truly an eye-opener in this area. It truly is. You know, I hear people all the time say, I got to take, take a break from Facebook or, or social media because it's, it's just too toxic. And I was just, I've really been thinking about that lot, a lot lately, a lot lately, not lady. But here's the problem. Social media is not what's toxic. We are toxic. We're the ones who are toxic. Social media just demonstrates it. 
Social media gives us a platform to be bold when we used to not be able to be bold saying certain things to other people. And it's unfortunately revealed a lot of reality of what's truly in our hearts. That's the problem with social media. It's not the platform. It's us. It's us. And I think what lurks within us tends to be the issue. It really is. The biggest problems for us is that our love of ourself often overrules our love for others. Our love for being right, our love for getting our way, whatever it might be, often overrules God's command for us to love others. And all this is gonna do, my friends, is lead you down a path of being more and more and more disappointed. You will be because you're missing out on the fullness of life that Jesus has to offer. We cannot fully experience his love if we're failing to imitate his love. It's just the reality. We are relational beings, closely connected, and every relationship we have is closely connected with the God who created with us. It comes full circle. What are you pursuing? This is what it all comes down to. What are you pursuing in your life? What is your ambition? This is not just an individual journey. This is just not about how you can succeed in your own life. This is a collective pursuit of the body. This is the community. You see, when we pursue Jesus individually, we will then pursue him collectively and God will do amazing things through us. There needs to be unity in our pursuit of Jesus. You see, unity is essential in our pursuit to Jesus. You cannot have any other way. It's closely connected with our vertical relationship with God that affects our horizontal relationship with others. We affect each other. When we individually fail to pursue God wholeheartedly, then we will affect the community. You will. There needs to be unity in our pursuit of Jesus individually and collectively. In our pursuit of Jesus, we need to find unity as leaders because unity is built on the back of leaders who are willing to do the work. And my friends, there are leaders within this church who we still need you to rise up. We need you to rise up, to be willing to do the work, to build the foundation for God to do extraordinary things. And there's unity within the labors Those willing to say, I'm going to use my gifts, my talents, to come alongside each other for the common mission, to build up the community so that God's mission can occur. And there needs to be unity in our living, in our choices, in our attitudes, in our actions towards other people. When people see you, ultimately you will reflect Christ. And so what reflection are you making We need to have unity in our living, in our lifestyle. Remember, every action you commit to reveals the the reality of your heart. It does. So what are you committing to? You know, in the Peloton world, there's a coach by the name of Allie Love. I enjoy her rides and, and her encouragement in her rides. And she told a story recently on one of her rides when she was talking about unity, which was very fitting as I was preparing this message. 
She told the story of a father and a son who went on a journey together to see this other village. It was a poor village. And his father and son lived very well. And the father, after visiting that village, asked his son, what did you see? And the son answers, well, father, I saw the poor people. We have one dog and they have four. We have a pool that sits in the middle of our garden and they have a creek that has no end. We have important lanterns in our garden and they have stars at night. Our patio reaches to our front yard and they have a whole horizon. We have a small piece of land to live on and they have fields that go beyond sight. We have servants who serve us, but they serve each other. We buy our food and they grow theirs. We have walls around our property to protect us. They have friends to protect them. And the boy's father was speechless. And then the son added, thanks dad for showing me how poor we are. You see my friends, the son realized poverty was not a lack of wealth. Poverty was a lack of community. See, as we unite, we are not here to protect ourselves, our wants, our own personal gain. We are here to walk through the fire together where our protection comes from the unity of our community because we are leaders for Christ, laborers to do his will, willing to do the work in our pursuit of Jesus, to love God and love other people. So let's stop trying to hold on to everything we have personally because one day we will wake up only to realize that our presence was maybe in all the wrong places. And we missed out on the fullness that Jesus really wants to give to us. There's more important community here at Impact. And in the early church, they were united in his presence for a common purpose. Look what's written in Acts 4, 32. In the early church, as they began their mission, it says all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. You see that? They were one emotionally and mentally with the mission of God. They were pursuing Jesus together. Their presence, their focus was unified in their pursuit of him. To love God and to love others. They made Jesus the priority in their lives. What does that mean for you? I'm asking you as we kick off this new year that you really think about your pursuit towards Jesus. Maybe you've been half in, but now's the time to be all in, to experience the fullness of him and all that he has to offer. And I'm asking you individually that together collectively we can pursue God with our time that we will make our time with Jesus a priority in our lives, that we will, we will make being a part of what's going on here in worship services and growth groups and serving a priority in our lives, that he will be a priority in my time. And like the early church, I ask that we really consider that he becomes the priority in our resources. That's what the tithe is all about. You know, when we come together individually, God does great things collectively. And tithing is an opportunity for us, number one, to say, Jesus, you are the priority of my life. You are everything to me. 
I trust you fully to experience all of you. And then when we come together in our tithes, in our offerings, together we can do a great things. You know, with our tithes at impact, we, and, and if we step up the plate even more, we have the opportunity to helping people in need in our community with our power of one and Good Samaritan offerings. We support, every time you tithe, we give a portion of that to our mission partners all around the world in India, in South America, in America, and all around the world, we have ministry partners that are doing great things for the kingdom, that when we tithe, we support them. We can do even more things if we step up to the plate. And I know there's some of you that maybe you've been tithing, saying, Bill, I could take a step further. I challenge you and encourage you to consider that and prayerfully consider what God may be calling you to do. Some of you may say, Bill, I've never been a part of this. I've never been a part of this journey of tithing. And if that's you, can I just humbly ask you to prayerfully consider taking that step. Maybe just try for a month and see what God does. See what God does in your life. See how you experience him in a whole new way. And my friends, I believe 2021 is going to be an amazing year that as we pursue Jesus individually with our time and our resources, he will do amazing things through us collectively to share his hope, not just in this community, but all throughout the world. And so God's moving. He's moving. So where are you at where are you at in your pursuit of Jesus? I hope that this year you will pursue him more so than you ever have before and you will experience him in a whole new way. Just give him all your presence. Love God and love others. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you because you, you are good. And in this moment we come before you. And Lord, right now, just may we experience you. May we experience what you have to give by, giving, by being all in with you. Lord God, right now, I pray for, for those joining us in this moment who maybe have not been experienced you, maybe have been half in in their relationship with you, but right now, may we just be all in and experience the fullness of you. Lord, maybe they need to be more involved with being at service or maybe they need to be more involved with the growth group or just getting into your word and reading your word on a regular basis. Or maybe they need to step up and, and, and take that step of a tithe and see what trusting you fully can really do in their life and that we can continue this mission for you. Lord, whatever it is, we all have a next step. Help us to see what that next step is and motivate us to take it. It's in your name we pray, amen.